I don't think I really need to preach today, do I? This has been great. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've um, I felt really blessed so far, yeah? By the music, the prayers, the, the blessings from the parents. It's been a good Sunday. It's been a good Sunday. Well, when you have three preachers... They tend to take all your time from you, so I'm going to have to cut this way shorter than what I prepared. (laughs) So let's just jump right into the scripture, shall we? And let me say, this has been a scripture-heavy day, but that is not a bad thing, yeah? Amen. All right, our reading today is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, And if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. What a great scripture for our graduates today, yes? And I got to say congratulations again. I know you're probably like, oh my goodness, another person. I'm just going to get it all day. But we're just going to lavish you guys with praise because you deserve it. And don't think that you don't because you absolutely do. This has been a tough, tough year for you. It's been a tough year for all of us, but especially for you. And Pastor Ryan said it so well in his prayer, you know, there were things and moments that that were taken from you, that were robbed from you. So when you hear this scripture, right now you might feel like, yeah, I can rejoice, I'm done, out of here, not coming back. But maybe throughout the year, it felt like there wasn't a whole lot to rejoice about. And I want to offer this advice to you, this scripture, as your advice. There will be tough days. You've already experienced some. They're not going away. You will experience more tough days. And there will be moments where you feel like there's nothing to rejoice about. I don't want to rejoice about this. He's saying, I'm not feeling it, Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm just not feeling it. But you know, my challenge for you and for all of us 
today is to rejoice regardless. You see, the context in which this Philippians is written is that Paul wrote this in prison. And they actually think that, that he was expecting his execution quite soon as he wrote these words. Let that sink in a little bit when you think about, he's writing about rejoice and joy and peace, and he's about to be killed. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us, does it? And it's really hard for us to feel that way. But I want to go, quite quickly, through some of these verses. And maybe we can find out by the end what Paul meant when he wrote the words rejoice. Maybe we can figure out how to feel the peace of our Lord always. So this is a journey for all of us. And I'm going to start with verse 5 when it says gentleness. And gentleness in the Greek is actually uh, quite more than that. It, it describes a characteristic of Jesus and Jesus' generosity. Not just generosity in general, but Jesus' generosity toward those around him. To all people. And then verse 5 goes in to saying, the Lord is near. And Pastor Ryan said this too. What does that mean, that the Lord is near? Is Paul saying that, that the time is coming soon? Or is Paul saying that the Lord is near in proximity? I think, hear me out, that that doesn't matter. Those questions aren't what we're meant to focus on. Because perhaps Paul wanted to point out that Jesus, our Savior and Lord, who was expected from heaven, is also the one who is present with his people. He is present with us. He is present with us, and then that's why the scripture continues and says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. And let me say that that does give me a little bit more peace, knowing that. Knowing that each step I take in life, God is taking those steps with me. So even in those hard days, God is feeling those hard days too. We are not alone in this. And when Paul goes on to talk about peace, I want to make it very clear that this peace is not an absence of conflict or trouble. It's about our well-being. You see, Jesus knew suffering. He was called a man of sorrows. Peace and joy are not about our emotions, but about our faith. 
It's about trusting and believing and proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and God is victorious no matter the circumstances. No matter what the world says. It's about trusting. And like I said, Pastor Stu already said that. So everyone took my thunder, but that's okay. (laughs) We're all on the same page. The Spirit is working. This is what it's about. It's about trusting, believing, and living out this trust and belief. So my question today is, do we trust God? Do we believe? And do we live this out with every breath that we take? A brilliant teacher and pastor, Priscilla Schreier, once wrote, trust fuels thanksgiving, and thanksgiving activates peace. That is one of my favorite sayings about peace. Trust fuels thanksgiving, and thanksgiving activates peace. Sometimes we think peace is just something that comes over us, right? There is action in that. You see, when we have trust in God, it becomes the catalyst of giving thanks. It helps us to be grateful in all situations and circumstances. It helps us to give thanks when we don't even feel happy. How many of us have attributed being grateful to being happy? This is way deeper and way bigger than that. We give thanks when we're scared. We give thanks when we feel lost. We give thanks when we feel broken, when we feel tired, and also when we feel happy. That's how trust fuels Thanksgiving, because when we trust that God is good and that God has our best intentions in store for us, we can always give thanks to the Lord because we trust. And this Thanksgiving way of life fills us with an overwhelming and all-consuming sense of peace, the peace of God, Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. And yes, we can have peace and still feel anxious. We can have peace and still feel scared or uncertain or tired or lost or broken. You see, we've told ourselves that in order to feel anything remotely of or from God, we must be perfect in feeling the way we are. We must feel our very best in order to feel what's from God. But you know what? That's all 
Mm-hmm. So incredibly untrue. And those are just lies whispered to us from the enemy to further the gap between us and God. See, when, when Paul finishes up in verses eight and nine and he says, think about these things. Think about all these virtues that he lists. What is just and pure, praiseworthy, excellent. You know, he's saying that we need to keep on doing this. These are good. These are virtues that Christ embodied and that by doing these things, they are divine in origin. Think about these things. So often in life, we continue to think about the past or, or the things that we've done that weren't good. Am I right? The could-haves or the would-haves or the should-haves. The ways in which we've messed up or all of our shortcomings, how we aren't good enough. But you know what? God loves us. God loves you and you and you, especially you (laughs) and everyone. God loves all of us despite our faults and flaws and hesitations and uncertainties, God loves us. Do we trust that? I was also given the challenge of not just preaching this morning, but also doing communion. So I'm going to transition flawlessly into that. But I do want to read very briefly from Luke chapter 22. Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. There's a few things I want to say about communion today because I think it's important for us to know before we partake of the elements together. So you have a chance if you don't have any bread or juice to go get some online. But a few things I want to say is that communion is also called the Eucharist for those who don't know. And what that means is it means a great thanksgiving. How appropriate. The cup that Jesus actually picks up is called the cup of thanksgiving in Jewish tradition. 
And what this means is that it should be a time of joy and celebration. It's a time of provision. The provision that the cross has come to us and through that, the glory of Jesus' resurrection. We are a resurrection people. We believe Jesus has risen and is alive. Therefore, our response is to live joyously, knowing that, trusting that. John Wesley said that communion represents a means of grace, which is a visible act where God communicates to us all the grace and righteousness and peace and joy of the Holy Spirit purchased through the body and blood of Jesus Christ the Son. We are called to trust in this. And something interesting that I really want our graduates to pick up on is that the Hebrew word for to remember is zakar, and I know I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but zakar in my English accent. And this word means more than to think or bring something to mind. It actually means to use our hands, our feet, our lips, anything in order to bring action to a memory. So quite simply, zakar, to remember, is to act. So whenever God remembers in the Bible, and, and, and this has happened quite often, I mean, we see it in, in Genesis with Noah, when, when God remembers Noah, then God sends the wind and saves them. When God remembers Rachel, then God opened up uh, her womb so that she could conceive. There's action associated with remembrance. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So what action are we being called to today? And if you'll indulge me just a little longer, <laughs> I can't take credit for this, but I really want to share it. I really want to share it. As stated before, it's a visible act, communion. But it's also a verbal expression acted out in five different directions. Did you know there were five directions in the world? I'm learning too. You see, this meal, it points backward to the death of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins, to the life Jesus lived and to how Jesus shared meals and fellowship with those around him. This meal, it points forward to the life of the church after Jesus' time on earth, to the anticipation of the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, of the messianic banquet that we are all awaiting. And we are called to celebrate and be joyful in this promise, in the final victory. This meal points inward for self-evaluation and examination. This meal points upward 
to heaven and to Jesus sitting on his throne. And this meal points outward to the whole church and to the whole world. This meal is a testimony with actionable words to others in what we believe, but also how we live. And there is an element of concern built into the table for others, for all people. It's an invitation for everyone. The means of grace are important in our faith because of our weakness of faith. They foster our covenant relationship with God. And then they foster our covenant relationship with neighbor. We are linked to our community of faith through this table. Let us therefore who truly desire this grace of God that I've just been describing. And not just to remember, but to act it out by taking the bread and the cup. Let us come to the table together. Then Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then Jesus did the same with the cup, saying, this cup is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. and is a new covenant of my blood. Drink, all of you. I wanna finish today with a, a bit more scripture and maybe a bit more hope for our graduates. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. To all of our graduates, 
to everyone here online at home. Rejoice. Be generous. Don't be anxious, but know that God is with us always. Be filled with joy and trust the Lord. Think of these things that are good. We are made new in Christ. We are ambassadors for Jesus. And Jesus gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Go, therefore, and let us build relationships with our neighbors, inviting everyone to a feast of celebration. And lastly, but certainly not least, be in peace. Surrounded by the love of God and believe with your whole heart that God loves you. May God bless you. Amen.